Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're going to be talking about Curaleaf's entrance into the European market. We're also going to be talking about several bills that are making their way around. I mean, there's bills popping up all over the country, but one in Florida is not very cool. So we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to answer a question from a DM we received from Windy City Growers about lobbying. So let's just get right into it. Hey, Tom. Hey, Miggy. Hey. Oh, I tell you though that Florida—it's it, terrible when it comes to their laws about limiting the THC uh, concentration. But the the Florida crosses, or the Florida orange crosses from Revolution, just smells so nice. Hey, guess who we got on the show next week, everybody? Oh my God, I can't wait. Yeah, the Highness man. himself. The Highness himself. Smash the likes and hit subscribe, and then you'll get noticed next week when we uh, go live with Tommy Chunk. And I got my first sponsor, my first weed sponsor, which just means free weed. <laughs> what, what's your first weed sponsor, dude? Washington Budco is going to. So I, I hit up three uh, of my favorite weed grows because, you know, doing this thing, the, the, the influencer slash whatever, you know, people are going to question like sponsors and, and promotions and whatnot. But honestly, dude, you can do a win win. You can you can promote a product and not sell your soul or like the product, i.e. being cannabis. But, uh, you know, I got the Washington Budco is going to be hooking me up and I can't wait to share their product on uh, on the show. Yeah, Washington Budco is is, is nice, I'm sure. Uh, I, I'm not going to be able to play Smell-O-Vision with Washington Budco next week. Which is <laughs> and then we'll also have to see what Tommy's smoking on. Uh, he'll probably be joining us from L.A. Hopefully he's got some wonderful – and why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he have good Wi-Fi? Oh. I mean, it's really a pretty, pretty good show. Tune in. We have a lot of news that came up, and uh, we passed 20,000. Yeah subscribers on this uh on this little ship of channel that's so funny dude i mean just this little you and me i still wanted to call it two guys and one mic but it's all right <laughs> fine that's fun you know what we're getting so old now that that uh two girls one cup or two guys uh, you know one cup you know one mic uh those types of references are going to get less and less obvious to people which <laughs> is fine with me I do not need people to know what that reference means. <laughs> well, let's get back to it, though. I mean, Curly's entrance into the Europe, European cannabis market, it's, it's kind of a big deal, right? $280 million. Oh, my uh, 
God, this is one of the reasons why. Oh, let's let's get to the stock news. We have a we have a cut that we can do on this. Let's uh, let's do our little bumper with the stocks. Uh, moving into the stock news, yeah, Curleaf enters the European cannabis market in a two hundred and eighty five million dollar deal. Uh, Curleaf Holdings, which is of course the largest market cap of all the uh, cannabis stocks that you can buy right now over the counter, uh, and Curleaf's uh, market valuation is, I believe, eleven billion and change. And so yesterday. It was up like 17%. And then today it's down about 5%. Uh, And all the pot stocks have just started to dump off a cliff since it became obvious that they are not going to be legalizing at a federal level anytime soon. And and that's one of the problems with these types of weed stocks is it's just so speculative. You know, this this thing comes up. Is this going to have any real value? Because like the, the... the European cannabis market's really not that big. No, uh, but I think the potential for what they have, it's going to be greater than the United States because they can travel. So uh, Kiralee's Holdings agreed to buy, to buy MAC Life Sciences LTD for 285 which I think is kind of a low entry bar to this industry when it's already been producing billions of dollars in tax revenue. Right, like, like oh, they're currently, gonna... currently, if only like I clipped, I think like one hundred eighty-four million dollars worth of medical sa- or, or cannabis sales last year. Mm. So we have to pull up the the Curleaf chart and see what their quarterly results are to determine whether or not they have actually like year over year growth to be able to um, account for like a seventeen percent pop in the stock in one day. Uh, however, it, it probably isn't going to uh, be much of anything. Um, we'll see. Well, uh, and, you know, Curleaf can immediately start selling its CBD products in Europe and plans to bring THC products and its select brand. Oh, yeah. The Curleaf select brand. Never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> but European markets through the deal. Yeah. But, you know, unlike in the U.S. where the company can't move federally illegal cannabis across the state lines, Curleaf's products can be shipped anywhere in Europe through the EMAC, their, their, their network. So... Uh, provided they have appropriate licensing. I thought they could only move their CBD products, not their uh, THC products. Well, I imagine uh, this was in Bloomberg, so I imagine there's, there's, they're working on it, you know, because in Spain, uh, they have, uh, a, a, what, Spanibus? It's a huge, you know, cannabis ain't new out there. It, it's, I mean, as, as much as the ignorance still prevails, you know, you still have GW Pharmaceuticals and all these other people, you know, making a shit ton of money out there. And they're not so ignorant or stupid, I guess, over there. Oh, we'll see. You know, it's one of those things where these licenses, they tend to become uh, less expensive over time. And so uh, it implies, which, you know, this isn't necessarily the best implication ever, that there would be fewer licenses and limited markets in the future. But uh, they just raised all this money and then they spent all that money to acquire this. And then it makes the stock go up because why? No, they have the right to buy stuff in Europe now. Yeah, I mean that's all that is. Like that. Look at that. So that's your yeah. home grow. That's uh, you know, that's yeah, that's some home grow. Uh, that's some Florida purple uh, home grow right there. Medically cannabis, right? Medically home grow or yeah, your- yeah, that's right. Medical home grow. It's the way to do it in Illinois. <laughs> Then uh, so we also got uh, Biden's USDA secretary gives final approval to hemp rules despite ongoing industry concerns. Yep, the hemp rules have been finalized, and so we saw those final rules come out. There's actually some really nice, uh, some really nice changes that happened to the final rule from the interim rule. Uh, and therefore, it could be worse. It could be worse by uh, a few leaps and bounds uh, because the final rule allows for a difference in the um, 
level of negligence. And so the level of negligence has been moved from 0.5% THC to 1% THC, which should provide for like the vast majority of the genetics that are out there as, uh, as hemp cultivars. And then of course the disposal and remediation. And so now let's say your hemp comes in a little hot. And by that, I mean like you're, you're over the 0.5% total. Uh, you know, just throw some more um, stalks in and chip it all up and uh, put in some more fan leaves and then test it so that it's it goes back down. Like your total CBD count might go from like 20 percent down to 15 or something. But then your THC count might go from like 0.5 down to 0.1, uh, which is nice. And so now they are allowing uh, the hemp farmers to be able to recapture uh, and remediate their non-compliant plants. With that remediation, are you going to also be able to you can do an extract right and then and create that limit of whatever potency you think it should be uh i don't think they allow you to do the extract i think they just allow you to mix stuff back in and then retest it and then once okay. you pass then you have to do the extract yeah well still what a pain in the ass though it's like the, you fail a test like at school and they give you a second chance you're like come on i got i know all the answers were right there but yeah. one- <laughs> it's just it's just the regulations it's just the regulations that's really the problem yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and yeah, it's one of the nice things, man. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the problems. All right. So, yeah, it's Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. So we're actually going back to the future. He was um, Barack Obama's agricultural secretary as well. Uh, and he's an ally of the hemp industry. And so this, this new uh, reg takes effect on March 22nd, as originally planned. So this crop year, it appears that we are going to be under the new USDA regs. Uh, and so they released these rules. Yeah. So they released them back. When did they release that rule? I want to say it was August of last year or something like that, because they had public comment periods and all sorts of things. And they came out with the final rule. Uh, the final rule was released back in January. So, yeah, you see, like, even if we had um, federal reform for cannabis, it would be like this. It would take years after yeah. the law has changed because then they have to come out with all the regulations. Because marijuana is not hemp. Marijuana is not hemp. That's right. That's THC in it. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> They're both- wait. They are both. Uh, yeah. In the end, though, you know, the process is long. And, and, and so here in Washington, the homegrown lost again. It's going to get water. It's just got buried again. Never made it out of the committee. So, yeah, it takes a long time to shape things up to have that infrastructure. It'll be a bit. So we also have Chicago. Or do you want to go stay on the uh, on the uh, the hemp topic? No, we'll go to Chicago. All right. Let's go. Chicago weed giant illegally took pot to Arkansas in Whole Foods salad containers. Federal suit claims. Verano uh, holding. Okay. Uh, well, I just think it's hilarious that Verano and Verano, they're probably getting torched right now. I mean, all the, the cannabis companies are getting torched right now on the um, uh, the trading floor for the stocks today. But yeah, oh. Verano, Chicago company worth roughly $3 billion was sued Monday in federal court as part of a sweeping racketeering complaint that accuses the company of illegally trafficking marijuana from Illinois to Arkansas. Well, how, so they're sued, but no one like raided. What, 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 the, what, what, what is this? How civil. But, but, but like, isn't there a person behind Verano? Like, let's. This was my thing about legalization and recreationalism, huh? Sammy Dorf is uh, his name. I'm just saying, rich people don't want to go to jail. So if they fix the freaking law, people don't go to jail. This is freaking ridiculous. Well, actually, Tom and Sean could talk about that. Rich people still go to jail. Oh yeah. Well, 
He wasn't the biggest fan of it, you know. He wasn't the biggest fan of jail. I don't think anybody goes, yeah. Fan of jail. Like, but he he had some great stories about him and Jordan Belfort and you know him yeah, riding yeah. Wall Street in, in, in jail while he was serving with Tommy Chong. But uh, anyway, the lawsuit targets dozens of cannabis executives and companies, including a Verano CEO, George Archos, and Harvest Health and Recreation, an an Arizona firm. Uh, Harvest is like one of the largest operators out of Arizona that mm. attempted to acquire Verano for eight hundred fifty million in March of twenty nineteen. Uh, I do not have a copy of the complaint. If anybody wants to get me a copy of the complaint, I can read it and be like, this is what the state is asking for in their prayer for relief. Uh, I'm not currently involved in litigation, and I'm fine with that, but I spent about a decade in litigation. I'd be interested, though, but like, like again, back to why are they being like... You know, a business should be rated. If they, it just it just hurts my brain that you have a federal state to state case here that should involve Verona being shut down. Period. Not 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 being litigated over court or like you know they could lose their license. You know, if this is a federal uh, crime, uh, and then again, like uh, in the future when these types of things break, make sure that we get a copy of the complaint uh, for them so that I can read that and be like. This is what they're asking for. That's one of the problems with like newspapers is that they're not staffed by lawyers, uh, and and so then you can't you know necessarily get the the, the kind of uh, analysis you get from like actually reading a complaint. Uh, and so the, there's actually a plaintiff. So uh, Nicholas Nielsen worked for the Cultivation Center in Newport, Arkansas, which was managed by Harvest as the company worked in lockstep with Verano as the acquisition was pending. This sounds like a butthurt um, uh, investor that's trying to take action to uh, squeeze or uh, exert some type of influence from the actual license holders. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'd have to see. And so, like, you know, from the way that I was reading it, I'm like, all right, first, uh, is this a federal suit? And by a federal suit, I mean, like, is this prosecution? Right. It doesn't appear that it's prosecution. It just seems like it's a, a contractual beef or some type of beef between these two people. It's another reason why I'd, I'd like to read the complaint, you know, before I... Well, the accusation there is, is of course, that they're they're also uh, diversion, right? Like like this person saying, I, "I'm I'm growing a bunch of plants for this big company worth a billion dollars." Like it does seem like a petty employee, really. Not not a uh, a federal case that's being, uh, uh, you know, government coming after them. It's not a federal case. The government's not coming after him. It's this Nicholas Nielsen guy, and so. He worked for the cultivation center. Like, where does he fit in? How much stock did he open or own? And then it says the 2020 police raid of Nielsen's home uncovered 28 harvested pot plants in his garbage can. All right, cool. And so uh, now did he, like, bring them in? He's like, hey, police, this wasn't me. It was these guys. I, I, but, you know, I have no idea. And so, like, Neil, Nielsen was then arrested and charged after the cops found two more plants inside his home. Oh, that's terrible. Two whole plants? You mean Christmas. Call the dogs. Uh, <laughs> right. just, claims that those plants were actually being cultivated for Harvest's greenhouse while awaiting approval from state officials. That's very convenient. Uh, the suit claims that the Nielsen's home was allegedly grown from clippings brought to Arkansas by Michael Frontier, a Verano employee, who was allegedly instructed by his employer to take young cannabis plants from an unnamed Verano facility in Illinois and transport them to Arkansas. That's derelict in the sense that why aren't these uh, genetics like at least stabilized in, in some forms of seeds? Uh, why are you going to be flying clones? You know, coach, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But why Arkansas, too? I'm, I'm just trying to wrap Arkansas my head this as well. Arkansas is a highly limited market, and so Verano probably used its um, 
money uh, to get uh, a license in in Arkansas. I mean, a lot of the Illinois operators use their money to get licenses in Arkansas, Cresco, GTI, mm-hmm. Revolution, uh, probably also Verano. And so that, you know, there's three million people that live in Arkansas. It is a limited market state uh, for only medical really kind of sucks. So if like Arkansas ever goes wreck, it will be dominated by those five companies. Well, I, I got you. But again, it doesn't seem like a diversion issue or it could be a diversion issue if you think about it. Like, but in all these recreational and all these markets, recreational and medical that, that initiate, right. The, they always have this grace period, right. Where everything magically appears, the yeah. seeds, the, the, you know, because cannabis never existed before until you sign that law in place. That's right. Until the, uh, the zoning commission and then the department of Ag- Agriculture, the Cannabis Regulatory Commission, they, they give that stamp of approval and your license becomes operational. Magically, cannabis just appears. A stork brings it very often, you know, like just like babies, you know, they just happen. And so the stork comes in. So uh, I think, yeah, and that's what it looks like. It looks like this is uh, some guy named Nielsen gets uh, popped for multiple felony charges in Arkansas. And then for him to get leverage against that, um, prosecution against him brings in uh, Verano and Harvest Health as uh, def- probably I had to join them in a suit and then and then but then it, what he would have to remove to federal court to what get jurisdiction over these other um, uh, operators that aren't uh, native or, or residents of Arkansas again like well, Nielsen, this is why reading a complaint is one of the most important things that a lawyer can do when he's trying to explain to you what's going on. Yeah, well, it says here, Nielsen, who is facing multiple felony charges in Arkansas, has told law enforcement officials that he would definitely testify against Frontier Verano. So it seems like Verano's been putting it on their employee as far as like a like a front, right? Like a like you're you're going to help get our business started. Oh, shit, you got caught. Um, I don't know you, bro. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's all good then. Uh, oh, here's that one though that we were talking about the uh, the Beard Bros article uh, about the Alcid Medmen Zex. The new gig represents everything wrong with corporate cannabis, and, and, and this is about you know uh, the Beard Bros had a great how before actual the structure of recreational um, uh, cannabis. Uh, you know, your reputation precedes you, whether you, you grow good weed and your weed spoke for itself or if you had shitty weed or if you were a shitty uh, business person, uh, you know, th- there was a network and people talk and they still do technically. But unfortunately, like, how do people like the people part of Men Men that started out this, this this shitty company that had no success and yet still probably acquire another six figure salary? Right? How do you fuck up and still get a job? that bad well it depends on how well capitalized you are but why like what gets them the foot in the door was that you think they paid for the pay to play yeah that you raise money from investors right but so are they just dumb investors i mean what's going on here that these guys yes there, there are dumb investors out there and so like they you know probably raised some money from some less than smart people uh and uh there you go. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, <laughs> it not every cannabis company is about operations. A lot of them are about acquisitions and assets. And so, like, you know, um, those types of companies that are about acquisitions and assets and the image and like appearance and it's all a real estate play or, or what have you. 
then you get your med meds. Right. And that's what I mean. Like the, the, the industry that you think like as a um, somebody coming from a traditional market, legacy market, uh, that experience, uh, you know, you have these like, you know, that cannabis is a commodity. I paid twenty five dollars to say for an eighth. So then a quarter is going to be fifty dollars, uh, a half, a hundred and a whole ounce, two hundred. Now, and then, of course, you negotiate with your uh, salesman sometimes. And you're like, hey, the more I purchase, can I get more of a, a, a refund? Right. This is like the learning basics of business without any uh, taxes and all that stuff. So I think most people have an idea that any cannabis company that starts is going to be a reputable grow slash someone that's there for the plant itself. And it's unfortunate when you see these, like, I want to say shell companies, cause they're not, there's no substance to this. There's no actual culture. There's no, um, it seems like it's like funnel money. Like, like, Hey, I'm a rich person. I need to funnel some money. I know you're going to fuck it up. That's okay. It's expected. Like this is what's wrong with the world, man. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of these. Uh, and they're quite great at, at raising money. It's kind of like, you know, Curly, what did they do? Well, they raised a whole bunch of money and then they spent it buying all these licenses in Europe. And what's the value of those licenses? Yes. Yeah, but don't don't people Google? We're, we can Google now, people. There's, there's no, it's, it's just greed. And so it's called accretion. They use words like that, value add. That's another big one. Or like, you know, accretion where they, they say, oh, the, the, the sum of these two parts, it's not going to be two plus two equals four. It's going to be like nine. And then um, uh, you get you get that type of stuff. But uh, so what is this Beard Bros company? I, I see that MedMen is a... Um, a real estate company that dabbles in the cannabis markets, but uh, you know. Uh, so Beer Bros got a great blog. I think they they're actually a store in a garden down there. Um, the thing about the California culture is a lot of these guys have uh, 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 blogs. Like uh, one time, uh, rest in peace, Mickey Martin was a uh, in the early days of medical had a blog called Weed Activists, and uh, guy was just savage and he called people out left and right. And uh, that was the essence of like, because he was also in the edibles and, and doing all those other things. So beer bros are just another legacy um, grow that I believe in, in the recreational market now. So they're a good source for California culture and news. Oh, okay. So then um, beer bros says it's hard to argue that there's a less popular cannabis brand these days than MedMen. How much do you think MedMen paid for that? <laughs> for that publicity? For that, for that blurb. Oh God, these five just, bucks, twenty thousand. It's hard to argue. Yeah, I mean, it's just they had such great promise, right? Where they got the the Spike Jones video that represented like the the new cannabis culture, the new consumer. They were uh-huh. trying to. They had a lot of blah 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 intentions, but there was nothing of fruition that came out of them except for one little video. Like, I just don't get how these people still succeed in the industry. Like, like it's just, it's, it's sad and frustrating to see wealthy people where, where like they're saying here in the article, a lot of your legacy people can't even afford half these licenses. They can't even get their foot in the door. I don't know. I don't know. Tell you what, why don't we take a 420 break and then let's look at that Verano lawsuit. There's actually a pretty interesting chart and graph that we can go over to like point fingers at people. And then we can keep ripping on uh, MedMen or we'll we'll move on to the Mexico news. We move on to the Mexico news, but just a second.
here's the lawsuit. Um, it's a civil action in the United States District Court for the First District of Colorado. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense because, uh, like, then, whoa, why do they follow in there? Well, this is kind of normal, um, and it's not necessarily the worst nose bleeding um, uh, chart that you'll ever see when you have an MSO. And so then you have, you know, marijuana profits, marijuana profits going to and from uh, the first circle right there is Verano LLC. The the one to the far right is Harvest Health Inc. Uh, you can see one of them is not uh, an LLC. And then uh, the below it's Natural State Wellness Enterprises LLC. That's probably the um, uh, the Arkansas uh, company that was right there. And then it's it's just where they they move all the monies. And uh, and so those monies kind of go around allegedly, according to these um, uh, charts and graphs there. And so like they siphon off profits, they provide uh, financial and operating capital uh, for people off of them. And then, uh, you know, it's it's one of those deals where um, it'll be interesting to like actually read this whole thing uh, to see exactly what he's alleging and why. And then it's it's a RICO action, uh, a private action in RICO. And so like this guy's getting prosecuted pretty, pretty heavily in um, uh, uh, Arkansas. So to like try to offset whatever type of risk he has there, he's like, all right, well, I'll bring these people in. But now these guys get to like appear uh, and then their lawyers will say, oh, this should be dismissed. And so like mm-hmm. this where litigation will now get exceedingly expensive, uh, including for uh, with the plaintiff here, which is a Nicholas Nielsen, who's also being prosecuted in uh, Arkansas, which is going to make like affording this a little bit difficult because uh, lawsuits can go on for years, if not decades, and and be uh, thoroughly briefed uh, before you can actually get to uh, questions of law to get you actually out of those. But that's pretty interesting. He's got uh, some emails uh, attached here and then, you know, uh, some other allegations in the complaint about the uh, transporting across the state lines. Hmm. And Frontier Airlines, I'm assuming, huh? or is Frontier one of the, the actual things that was defined earlier on? Hmm. If you like this sexy uh, MSO content, you got to yeah. like, subscribe. <laughs> right. That's right. Don't forget that where we get to go over um, uh, more more fun stuff about, uh, OK, who's fighting for what and, and how. Uh, but, you know, that's some news that's going on and that's some litigation that will probably continue to happen. Yes. They, they try to enforce the laws in a particular state and somebody gets arrested and then these other MSOs were playing fast and loose. Uh, well, allegedly playing fast and loose. Uh, and we'll see how the facts bear out on this. Yeah, no kidding. That'd be interesting to see. That that's definitely going to be one of those ones that might uh, set a precedent, right, for how to operate in a multi-state. Right. I mean, it could be it could be interesting in the sense that you know these uh, operators are trying to get their genetics in various other locations uh, from one state to another, and so like, how do you do that? Like, if you're if you're an operator that's got a, a, a licensing agreement, like you know, if you're a cookies, because cookies keeps opening new shops and new locations. So how do those cookie strains get into that state? You you know, they all be in California, right? And Don't you uh, pixies, fairies, you know, of course, pixies, fairies, and also the stork brings all the genetics straight to the dispensary without any questions. And uh, and then there's these types of questions. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, like this is one of the reasons why you're going to eventually. I don't know when it's going to be, but eventually you absolutely need uh, federal legalization because you have this 
this dual nature of the plant. And so like it's quasi legal in these jurisdictions, but it's still also criminalized. I mean, it's it's medical. It's not full adult use. But if you think about it, too, you're setting up a monopoly for for these companies that have enough money to, to litigate their way out. Like this is wrong uh, on so many levels for the uh, citizens, period. But in meanwhile, Mexico is going to might be getting it right. Mexico's moving. Which uh, is surprising for me. I'm going to have to issue a retraction from last week where I'm like, yeah, they're always calling Wolf. But uh, no, the full chamber of the Mexican lower house is expected to discuss and vote on the bill this week that discriminalizes cannabis in a move that would make the country one of the largest, the world's largest legal cannabis markets. Then they're going to build that wall so we can't go down. That's right. Well, I'm assuming then they're going to like start re-exporting all those wonderful Mexican hazes from the 70s. Um, however, I don't know if that will happen. Uh, how? And then the other thing is they're going to I think they would be the largest legal cannabis market because mm-hmm. I, there's more Mexico uh, people than there are Canadians. And like Canada right now, I think is the largest. And there's only like 30 million or so, 30 to 40 million Canadians. You know, if you think about this, too, it doesn't have to be cannabis. That Once they legalize this cannabis as a recreational use, they're opening the floodgates for hemp. Like for being a number one producer, because since the United States is still behind the curve as we regulate our own stuff, we're too busy saying the farmers are bad. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna press on and create their own hemp, and you know because that right now Canada's our, our number one outsource for hemp, and then South Africa, I think. So there you go. I mean, they, they could have some uh, wonderful Mexican hemp coming in, but there's uh, almost 128 million uh, people that live in Mexico. Uh, so there you go. It'd be like the largest cannabis market by a mile uh, if that happens and and it's been it's been scheduled to happen for so long and it's been delayed for so long once they actually get there and i'm not sure if they're going to get there this time or if they're going to get there next time but it's it's moving that's like home grow for washington (laughs) you guys still have home grow for medical it's just you want home grow for adult use right america I want my rights. Freedom. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's, we don't, we also don't have home. I mean, like the home grow that we have is medical home grow. And and I understand the argument for that when it comes to access to supply. But then, you know, there's a profit motive argument, which I don't like. It's like, hey, uh, you shouldn't have access to supply. If you just want to smoke weed, you should have to pay. Yeah, but see, that's still a shitty argument because the, you know, home home brews haven't put Budweiser out of business. You know, it hasn't put restaurants and everything out of business. So it will only add to the variety of life, goddammit. Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's just that the um, the people don't care. Yeah, well, the ones in charge don't care. That's that's what it is. Yes, that's one of the bad news stories that continues to be on the radar, too. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the one that we had signed up next. No, that was the True Leaf one. Let's talk about that. Well, there is some more bad news eventually once we get to the Florida news. Yeah, yeah. True Leaf teams teams up with Morehouse School of Medicine, though, on medical cannabis research. That's pretty neat. That is, yeah. True Leaf Cannabis Corp. turned up with an HBCU, Morehouse School of Medicine on a medical cannabis research and education initiative about time that they're going to do some cannabis research. 
Dude, I, I'm looking forward to the day I can actually go to the store, CVS, and buy a, you know, a, a two to one ratio uh, cannabis uh, extract, something, you know, uh, pill, anything to add to my, you know, like every anywhere. I already mm-hmm. kind of have it with the legal stores here because we Washington is kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to products, but still, everybody should have this opportunity. Yep. Yep. And so the Florida Cannabis Company, that's Trulief, signed a research, education, and development agreement with Morehouse School of Medicine, under which Trulief, Georgia, will assist with the school's cannabis-related research operations and offer educational courses. Now, this may also play into the lawsuit that Trulief filed against Georgia to get its application in for its medical cannabis cultivation license. And now it announces this new partnership with the Morehouse School of Medicine. I wonder if that was an aspect of the, oh. the cannabis application that they put in. It had to be. You know, you know they're they're right now litigating going, but we're gonna be in a medical study. That's you, right. You, you gotta let us in oh, because we're right here. All this jack going straight to your educational facilities. Seriously, we got doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Such bullshit. I mean, goddamn it's brilliant fucking strategic planning, but fuck you for fucking having that kind of money. Hey, you gotta pay to play, man. I uh, know. So that's that's great. Uh, the, it provided, if, oh, can you imagine if they don't get the license? Are they going to come through then? You know, because uh, they haven't announced who's won these. Because there's only two licenses up for grabs, and then there was four licenses for the the tier two, the fifty thousand square foot operating facility, and then there's two licenses for the hundred thousand square foot operating facility. And you know they want that; they're thirsty for it. Oh God, yeah. Yep. Isn't the, the the requirement still citizenship? Right in Georgia, you got to be resident. Oh, sure. There's all sorts of chicanery and, and relationships with um, uh, the residency requirements or like the doing business for the time requirements, all those types of things. Um, and then they, they were nitpick. The True Leaf people were nitpicking regarding like how they uh, implemented the application relative to the rules, whether or not the administrative uh, department overstepped its bounds when they were creating the, the list of the, uh, the application, which another fun thing, you know, that'll happen sometimes yeah you know the collaboration is considered as being one of the first steps in creation of a personalized medical cannabis treatments that would be a wonderful future yeah totally um then we go oh well yeah leading into the medical though colorado a colorado bill requires schools to store cannabis-based medicines for student use so when the school board refused to let her daughter Marley receive her cannabis-derived medicine from willing teachers, Sarah and Mark Porter made the difficult decision to pull Marley out of school on October 2019. In the 18 months since, Marley has been able to take her prescribed medicine regularly while learning her at home, keeping her Crohn's disease more manageable than it's ever been. Her parents testified to the Colorado legislators. Crohn's is horrible, man. There's a lot yep. of kids with that. So uh, Senate Bill 21-56 aims to make life easier for kids like Marley and their families. It would require schools and school districts to have a policy allowing their employees to store and administer medical cannabis recommended for a student by a doctor. Thank God. Mm-hmm. So SB 56. Yep, but that, I mean, this is a Crohn's disease patient that's trying to access her medical cannabis. And, and it's been, this is even in Colorado. And so, like one of the one of the bastions, one of the first states uh, for this, has still had these types of regulations in place to prevent uh, cannabis medicine from being at schools. 
Well, Washington had the same way. We we just did it three years ago, I believe. Just recently, I know the gentleman that was behind that bill. His daughter uh, passed on. Um, beautiful little girl. She she had something way worse than Crohn's and all that stuff. But he pushed this bill through for all the other kids. It was pretty awesome. So yeah, no, that's great that uh, this. So this is gonna be called Jack's Law. I, and I think I followed this guy's case for a little bit. Or no, it builds off of Jack's Law, which allows school districts to let parents or guardians administer medical cannabis to their children on campus. In Jack's Law, medicine must be administered in forms of oils, nasal sprays, or capsules. No smoking. Can you imagine that? A bunch of little eight-year-olds just working. <laughs> I mean, well, just- nasal sprays and stuff. So at least they have some type of aerosol so that it can actually be... Um, you know, so you history, get, but- yeah, you could get it titrated quicker, and so you could get into the the, the system faster. That you know, but it, the smoking aspect is just just us. I mean, like they're like, oh my yeah. god, there's a hint of smoke somewhere. Oh no, any smoke at all? Don't yeah, even no. that paper. You know? <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. They, 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 the, the, the expectation that like you have to say the kids can't be smoking. Like, no parents can rolling doobies for the kid. I mean, I mean, unless they're older. But you know, if it's a medical issue, a medical treatment, goddamn, they're getting titrates, they're getting tinctures, getting oils, they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're not rolling up doobies for the fucking kids. It's not. Yeah. A thing. Uh, they would probably prefer to not have to use the medicine to be honest it's one of those things that, you know usually when you have medicine very often you're like man i wish i didn't have to use this but i'm sick you know yeah there's a, a kid out there because Col- you know colorado had a uh, it was the mecca for a lot of the uh, uh parents leaving their states uh you know uh, charlotte's web was the uh, the initiator of all that right mm-hmm. um and uh, a funny thing about this because the, I, I i give the uh, uh charlotte's web uh the brothers uh, uh credit for creating that conversation you know keeping it going forward but looks like i gotta answer a text my bad <laughs> all right well you we do that <laughs> and i'll say like you know colorado also has quentin's amendment which allows school nurses to administer medical cannabis at school for qualifying medical conditions and with a doctor's approval well that's that's a good amendment to have quentin uh, but the left the law left out an opt-out clause for districts that didn't want their employees giving kids the medicine uh, Senate Minority Leader Chris Holbert, a uh, Republican from Douglas County, said SB 2156 is more important to him than any other legislation he sponsored this session. Seven lawmakers in the Education Committee approved the bill unanimously on February 24th, and now it goes to the Appropriations Committee for review on a yet-to-be-determined date. And that is, again, how laws are made. You start in one committee, hopefully you don't die there, then you get out of another committee, hopefully you don't die there, you get some floor action, hopefully you also don't die there, and then there's a, a vote. And then you pass. If this is uh, Nebraska, that's it. Now, every other state besides Nebraska, then you have to go get passed in the other uh, legislative body. Let's say you started in the Senate, you have to go to the House. Started in the House, you have to go to the Senate. And then it has to be the same one. Uh, And then uh, let's say you get all through all that, and, and then they've been reconciled, so it's the same bill. And now it goes to the governor's desk. And if that governor is Mario Cuomo, yeah, sure, he might sign it. But if that governor is uh, Noam, I believe is her name in South Dakota, oh, she's vetoing the crap out of that bill. And and that sucks. And so that's one of the reasons why cannabis legalization news will be here for a bit, because these things won't play out over the course of like a fortnight. It's it's going to take years. Miggy is still on the phone. So let's move on to the next uh, thing. No more urine tests. No more urine tests. Proposed California law would end most workplace marijuana tests. Again, I mean, just 
so dumb. Just drug test, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the point they have to do random drug tests proves that you can't identify a a consumer of dr- recreational drugs. I mean, as an employer, unless that person's fucking up, and then if that person's fucking up, then you you take other precautions. But random drug tests just don't find shit. <laughs> nope. They, you know. Uh, I mean, if they really want random drug tests, I think that's fine. Let's start with the legislature, see what there they're on. And then after that, we'll see if we could do it to the people that aren't making any money or like getting a whole bunch of subsidies from the federal government in the terms of um, pensions and other fringe benefits. Well, so, uh, okay. New legislative bill that's uh, ending a common employment practice five years after Californians voted to legalize recreational cannabis in which private companies can require workers to test for marijuana use. It's Assembly Bill 1256 introduced by Assemblyman Bill Quirk, a Democrat of Hayward, and he is intended to prevent employers from using past evidence of marijuana use, such as hair or urine, as justification for discrimination against an employee, such as denying or terminating employment. Yeah. Zero tolerance is a shitty policy overall. It's been a shitty policy, you know, since the Reagan era like that. It, it, it's why? What? Well, Zero now a lot of the times it'll have to do with like, where does the company get its money from? If a lot of it is coming from the federal government, they may still have to do the zero tolerance policy as conditions of getting Uncle Sugar's money. Uh, yeah. And as a result of that, that's one of the reasons why those types of tests are still done prevalently. Uh, a lot of people just don't like wheat. No, I, I get it. It just it bothers me because like my son, he asked me or he was saying, you know, I want because he wants to go in the military when he graduates high school. And uh, he's like, I can't wait till I join the military. And hopefully by that time, uh, the perception of cannabis, because of everything that he sees me talking about with the Morak and everything, he's like, maybe it'll be, it'll be legal then. I was like, you know, I was like, even if it's legal tomorrow, still another five, six years until attitudes and, you know, zero tolerance happened overnight. It's, it's fucked up that it's harder to free a man than it is to create a law to put everybody behind bars. Yeah, it's it's harder to get people to accept facts like there's no like this isn't this isn't something to debate and we need more research it's like no 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 uh we discovered anandamide in in march 24th of 1992 only 29 years old we figured out how this plant worked fairly recently and now we are dang sure this is how it works and and look at all these recreational legal states right the zombie apocalypse hasn't happened Planes aren't falling out. The crashes aren't happening everywhere. I mean, economies are actually thriving. Right. I, I, I mean, we, we live in the upside down. Substances, including painkillers, by the way. Uh, you know, pizza use is up. <laughs> yeah, Domino stock fucking goes up. Fucking, I mean, right. it's a win-win, baby. Man, people feel great. People feel great. But it's one of those deals where you're dealing with people that don't know the actual objective facts and and you're trying to just get people to understand facts. That's it. It's not opinions. You don't I don't care what your opinion is on marijuana. Do you know how it works? Let's have that conversation. And so then once you get moved past that conversation, they should be like, oh, well, our laws are really fucking stupid. Right. but if they if they don't understand how cannabis works, then it's really easy for these laws just to continue. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't understand also why can't prohibition exist? Like that's you know, we have to constantly educate, like, yes, it's all based off of 
idiocy, nothing scientific based. It's all racial uh, propaganda. Uh, there's nothing legitimate about why prohibition exists. Like, there's no saving the people. It's about controlling the people. Yeah, you know? it's about controlling the people. And uh, uh, speaking of control, though, or, or no longer uh, be a judge of your moral character in the uh, administration, marijuana would not count against immigrants' good moral character under new congressional bill. Thank fucking God. That's I good. mean, this is immigrants' admission to prior marijuana use can no longer be used to deny them U.S. citizenship under a new congressional bill. Representative Brandon Boyle, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, filed the legislation on Monday. It addresses a part of the federal immigration policy that's concerning concerns establishing good moral character. Because, yeah, everybody already hears good moral character as part of a national application. Yep. They were using our cannabis laws in immigration for decades as something to justify, uh, you know, revoking your uh, your visa and deporting you. Yep. And so I'm glad to see that they are introducing uh, bills to try to change that. This is one of the aspects of the Moore Act that uh, gets into it. So like now it looks like they're uh, you know breaking off that piece because the Moore Act is a, a very large you know bill that they contemplated. And and, and uh, it was going to amend the um, Immigration and Naturalization Act to uh, get rid of a lot of the references to uh, marijuana, which can prevent people from you know, getting their visa or becoming naturalized. And they said they're also going to have another the congressman's bill specifically carves out an exemption for applicants who admitted to have using possessed or distributed cannabis. And then it would also remove another stigmatizing question uh, that the uh, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services asked you on some of those forms when you're trying to get naturalized. Have you ever been a habitual drunkard? Which will no longer appear on uh, the questions as well. That's some old timey shit. Holy crap. Have I been a habitual drunkard? Well, yes, but like my job was to be a drunk at uh, Disneyland. It's it's what they paid me for, you know. I'm the town drunk. Okay, I got to jump out for a second. Uh, One second. All right, you do that, and I'll say, uh, you know, Boyle, the, the the rep that sponsored this, he said these questions are wholly unrelated to citizenship, and it's extremely troubling to see federal applications like this that continue to use a harsh and antiquated term such as habitual drunkard. This careless language only serves to reinforce societal stigmas and misunderstandings about substance abuse, and it's time that we matter, uh, modernize the process. That is pretty darn awesome. Uh, let's let's move on to the new vaporizer shipping ban impacts the industry. And High Times is now reporting that the Preventing of Online Sales of E-Cigarettes, the Children Act, which approved by the Congress last December, states the UPS can no longer handle vape product shipments. Check out the uh, video that we've done on this. It's called the Delta 8 Vape Ban. And so the Delta 8 Vape Ban, we're going to do some more content on in the next uh, two, three weeks because it goes into effect on the 26th of this month. However, it will not really, really start catching up to the people that are probably going to continue to sell these things online for another 90 days or so. It's not like you want to be on that list. Tune in for more on that. Uh, And so, yeah, what they did was they defined this electronic nicotine delivery system in such a broad way that it would also encompass, for no real good reason, uh, uh, vapes, and this is a Delta 8 vape. Uh, mm. Find them at your local head shop. That'll probably be where most of them are being sold in a month. 
so they're saving the children. That's awesome. Save those children. No longer will anybody be buying e-cigarettes online, especially children. You know, that's one of the reasons why I have not given my daughter a credit card yet. Because kids don't know how to get into the goddamn uh, dark web, which I know they know. Like, this is a failed attempt of, again, being another fucking daddy state, you know, nanny, whatever you want to say. And then, like, you see how it's defined and you're like, ah, crap, this is going to fall straight into what a vape cartridge is. And did they intend to do it? No, they didn't. But, like, it's one of those things where it's so overly broadly defined. It says that this nicotine, electronic nicotine delivery system is any product that delivers nicotine, flavor, or any other substance to a user inhaling from the device. Delta 8 or CBD. Um, so does this mean, so, like, the product itself, like the empty cartridge, the empty battery cartridge, right? Empty, no product in it. Can that not be shipped to you then as a company? Because really this doesn't really affect any recreational markets because they're, they're not doing interstate commerce anyways. Right. But no, it's, it's basically what it means. It's not going to be able to be shipped to you uh, using the post office. There's maybe like one very small exception, but that's kind of like if you're shipping in between friends uh, and you're only going to do that like 10 times a year. And it's like very small. Uh, and even then they might give you shit if you try to like mail it, but there's going to be, uh, mail regulations that are coming out about April 27th and then we'll see, uh, yeah, I, I just anticipate a lot of the, and you're seeing it right now, like all the Delta eight products are starting to evolve yeah. and pivot a little bit away from the vape carts. For example, now they're taking a lot of CBD flour and then they take the Delta eight and they spray the CBD flour. Uh, and so now you have this blended product where you have Delta eight plus you also have CBD for the entourage effect. And, and what is it? It's flour. You can mail it, but it also Delta eight. So it's in demand or you're seeing drizzlers, uh, you know, which is essentially like the liquid stuff in here, but then you're going to have to be like trying to refill your own vapes and that's going to get frustrating. So you just go down the street to the vape shop and, buy yourself a Delta 8 card. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, someone in the recreational market that I see, you know, they're, I don't think there's going to be a change to those guys. Like, cause they're not shipping their shit out. There's, we don't have any mailing options. So, you know, Washington's safe in that market. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, you know I mean? It just seems like it, it does hurt all the CBD people who are trying to be on that gray market on the edge. Right. It seems you see it's either you're in the uh, recreational market or you're traditional or, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah. The market is uh, we'll see. We'll see the next farm bill. You know, in 2022 farm bills coming out. We'll see if that addresses Delta. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thousands of California marijuana convictions officially reduced. Others dismissed. Good stuff, man. Last month with the stroke at Penn, San Diego County Superior Court Judge Eugenia A. Gonna kill it. I hire a bead. Nearly 26,000 people with felony, felony marijuana convictions on their records had them reduced to misdemeanor convictions. I wonder if I'm one of them. I wonder if I had to apply for that. That's where most of my arrests were at. Nice. In addition to the thousand people arrested for huh? weed. I'm so proud of you for being arrested for weed. Well, underannounced was a misdemeanor when I was younger, so twice. Twice. Well, you know, that would make me a social equity applicant. Yeah. And the first time uh, I got pulled over, and I've always been honest with the cops. Like, my 
activism comes down to like good policing and stuff like that like uh the first time uh actually it was three times i got pulled over the first time honest with the cop cop lets us go takes our bag and dumps it out but gives me back my pipe and says don't smoke and drive uh second time uh i got pulled over for an out brake light and then i had five cop cars come up on my car after i was already honest with the cop with an eighth like hey this is what i got you didn't catch El Chapo. And then next thing you know, I'm in the back of the car freaking out. Like, what the fuck? I was honest with you. And uh, he's like, I'm going to take you in if you keep it up. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just these just petty stuff. You know, the third time, again, under an ounce. So they're not going to, like, take me in. They're they're looking for the bigger boys. And uh, you always got to, like, know your role, right? Know your rights type shit. Yeah, let's talk about your rights in Florida, you know. Where rights can very often go to die. Go Florida. Uh, not only not only can your rights go to die there, but uh, good luck trying to get unemployment in Florida. So let's let's talk about Florida. Should marijuana legalization limit THC? Probably not, but it's happening according to Forbes. Uh, THC, of course, is the most famous cannabinoid out there. However, a lot of these types of states are trying to cap THC. They try to do it in Washington State with extracts. So state legislatures in Florida have proposed a 10% THC limit on smokable flour and a 16%. THC limit on edibles stole, sold in the state's medical marijuana marketplace. Let's talk about why that is ludicrous. Go for it, Nikki. Oh, you're go- governing nature? I mean, <laughs> just a whole nature. And so you're going to force people to pick it when it's not ripe, which, again, that's not necessarily going to help the patient achieve the uh, entourage effect of the, the whole plant that you're looking for. Moreover, it, it, it continues to like overemphasize the importance of THC. You know, that even a 30% THC plant is fine. Uh, hash has been around for thousands of years, and so has Keef for thousands of years, and been way, way stronger than uh, 10% or 30% flour. We've been fine. Uh, and then the 16% THC limit on edibles. Is that by weight? Because that's insane, mm. you know, because if this thing weighs a gram, does that mean that I can have 160 milligrams of THC in there? That mm. is like an elephant sized dose of an edible right there. And, it, it, and yeah. Florida's had medical for how many years now? Uh, Florida's had medical for I have no idea. I want to say it was about the same time that Illinois, maybe a little. No, 2016. I think they actually finally passed it because they had to pass it twice because they had to get over 60 percent. So I think it was 2016. And like all the licenses are not that old, like 2017 and stuff. And then truly have just access to capital and took over. But why is Florida so Florida? Like, I mean, like, what's the point? Like, what happened? Who got hurt here that like now we got to capture it? Like, what is going on? And and you're going to kill the genetics of, of Florida. Like, I think don't think people are understanding, like, your state is legal ish. You are you have a chance to be on the forefront of like genetics and appellations like we talked about. Like if people were to start like, OK, we can start having this Florida sunshine or whatever you want to call it. You know, there's prime opportunities for your state to pull in a shit ton of money. Right. <laughs> You're not going to do that with limiting goddamn TAC caps and bullshit fucking regulations. Right. I mean, like, uh, the, the only thing that that THC cap would do uh, is make the illicit market just fine. 
They'd be like, hey, I'm going to go back out to the street to buy it. Why? Because that stuff will get you high. This stuff gives me a headache because they're going to have to do something to that flour to get it down to there. I mean, like a one-to-one blend, maybe that's all you would be able to get. And then you'd have to be watching that 10%. Um, uh, and so there's, there's that aspect. And then if like some of these medical patients need higher THC concentrations, I'm glad that they have it in an edible, but they probably want to also be able to inhale it. Yeah. Dabs. I mean, concentrates are a thing. uh, Straight back to the weed, man. You know? Yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, where's, where's Myrtle beach at? Myrtle beach. I always thought was in South Carolina, but I have no idea. Okay. Because uh, I don't know if because uh, uh, we're getting close to the end here, but yeah, that horrible story you're talking about is the uh, the war on weed leaves uh, one Myrtle Beach man paralyzed, cost 11 million in landmark civil rights case. Wow. So a home surveillance video showed in April 2015, a team of heavily armed officers used a battering ram to enter Julian Benton's Myrtle Beach home to execute a search warrant. Three officers fired 29 times. Fucking kidding me. Johnny McCoy. Julian Benton's attorney said they hit him nine times, effectively crippling him, paralyzing him. He had multiple surgeries and still can't walk. And then they lied to cover it up. Yep. South Carolina. South mm. Carolina's finest demonstration of not understanding that weed is harmless. No, this is this is just horrible. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with J. Cole, the, the rapper. Uh, he had a song called Neighbors, and uh, he actually uses actual video footage from his house of officers raiding his house because they thought he was a grow operation opposed to a rap studio is what he had in his goddamn basement. Like... So they yeah. thought the power was going to growing weed as opposed to growing beets. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to, Nicholas. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the high mighty. I got to yeah. get the puns out now. I don't want to embarrass myself when he gets here. I want to be all a fanboy. Stupid questions about 1985. Let's go. Uh, let's do Chong's Weed Through the Decades. So we're going back to the 60s. Where were you smoking? All right. Into the where, were you, where were you puffing on then? I could imagine that. You remember Blueberry coming into the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wonder what his criteria, though, for having to grow now, because, you know, part of what the circuit he's going on is he's got the uh, the new Chong line out. And uh, and then Cheech has a, has a line, too. If we could Cheech, I'd be so. After Chong. And then we'll be like, <laughs> Chong was blaming you for everything. Is that true? Right. And then we'd ask Cheech the exact same. Well, then, never mind. We'll have fun. <laughs> but like, hopefully enough fun. Hopefully enough fun. Yeah, no, that's going to be fun, man. To it, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this is our first show that we did over 20,000 subs. Just, you know. Yeah. We, no, we, we, can't, we can't stop until we have more subscribers in Peoria, Illinois, um, oh, which yeah. is hilarious. And so we're talking, I think, 115,000. So, like, what, in a year? Uh, it depends. Like, I uh, I got sick there last week or last month, and then um, uh, and now the website's down, so don't visit us at Cannabis Legalization. Oh, well, Cannabis Industry Lawyer. Cannabis legalization news is still online. Uh, and so, you know, in a, in a few more months, hopefully we can start messing around with more um, shows that are like directly related to trending na- national news. Uh, oh, yeah. because that's one of the ways that you get a lot of suggested videos and just a crap load of views. And so, you know, if there's something that comes out that we think will actually break, you, you do a quick video about it or, or, um, other videos about how to get licenses those get smaller views and then they're more localized but it, it helps us like you know uh, find visitors or viewers that are in those particular jurisdictions that want to get yeah. to the scan 
Well, yeah, and then you know, uh, yeah, and then I can't wait for the site to finally get up because I do like to do the word stuff, right? Like for people who like to read, you know, um, and, you know, the video thing was just kind of a happenstance of what I like to do. Like you pulled me into this, and now I'm in this dark web of shit, <laughs> and, uh, you know. But the words come come visit the website once it gets rocking. It's not rocking right now. It looks like it looks like it's not pretty right now. That's all I can explain to it. It's not. She's not. She's under construction, folks. Just just yeah. go to the Canvas Legal Station News and be like in work. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, one one step at a time. And it, it, I mean, the the site was pretty big, and so like it was going really really well, and then I just tipped over and died, uh, which is terrible. You know, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun that we still get to have the channel. Yeah, no, this is great. I mean, shit, we got ninety people hanging out with us, and I fucking love it. You know, yeah. I look forward to our moments. You know, I mean, but, there's, uh, there's gonna be lots more news coming, and uh, just take it one day at a time, man. That's it. There's always something to talk about. I told you, man. Yeah, like that was one of the things. Do we already talk about the bakery licenses? No. Ah, the bakery licenses. I can't wait for these things to be a thing. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh, I want to open up a weed restaurant, you know, where you can make these types of infused dishes. And I'm just held on there, bro. Uh, That's not how this works. They all have to be pre-packed and like, you know, pre-dosed and all that. And then there's really not a consumption lounge license type that's out there yet. Like, where do you go in Washington? Where do you go in Seattle? Down the street to smoke a bowl with your boys or, or like your friends, you know, like, where do you go? Yeah, no, there's no place, uh, you know, and in, in uh, the park, right? Like, I mean, I'm endorsing public smoking, but it's it's decrimmed here to the point. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why prohibition is so important. Ending prohibition is so important. So law enforcement can worry about the shit that's important and not some guy smoking a joint with his friends in a corner of a park, you know? Um, well, and then the guys would have an opportunity to smoke their joint somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. If I had a, if we had a, well, we used to have lounges during the medical times, but it'll happen again, you know. So it's, but yeah, that's the next step. There's a lot of levels to this uh, regulation that needs this infrastructure that needs to happen. Uh, Want to take the listener mill? No, all right, let's do one question if we have one question. But then I got to have a call about the websites. Yep, we got uh, Winnie City Gardens on Instagram asks, I find myself in the new Illinois Speaker of the House's district. Do you think there's any value of lobbying him to fix her cannabis laws? Any strategic tips to change this shit? Because honestly, the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act feels like it's poorly written and being poorly rolled out. Um, all right, so the new speaker actually... introduced a bill on this and uh well he introduced a bill that would have increased the ownership of amounts of craft grows from three to ten and so if anything um it would have allowed fewer operators to own all of those licenses which are the most accessible uh cannabis cultivation license currently in the state of illinois Uh, that's not a good sign if anything, it looked like that was an MSO bill. Like, you know, a multi-state mm. operator's like, hey, one craft grow, that's that's okay, but that's only 14,000 square foot flowering. I want 150. Um, and so can I own 10 of them? Is that okay if I can own 10? Uh, and and that's the bill that, that Representative Ford introduced. I can't remember what HB it is off the top of my head, but it was like, ew, um, ew. Did he introduce a bill that says, hey, 5,000 square feet is too much. We need a, a micro cultivation license of only 500 plants. No, he did not. He wanted Damn. to 
increase the amount of ownership to essentially allow for greater M&A amongst the uh, current caps of three licenses. He wanted that raised to 10. What's the small? Do you guys have small associations there like like they do like they did in uh, Rhode Island where they fought that one? No, nobody has a license. Mm. It just seems to me that you guys need uh, more. um, uh, uh, We call it uh, community gathering type things, you know, we do. There's a lot of work to do in Illinois, (laughs) but uh, I know we got to get out of here. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe. Keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah.